0: There's a flag as whoa yellow whoa yeah, Mason Rudolph get got it to get out of there. What in the world? Believe Miles Garrett? Let's do this.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Uncle and the Young Bucks. I am your co host, Brandon Bliley.
0: Drew, Eric, how are we doing, guys? Good, guys. How are you guys? What is happening? Welcome back guys. It's uh been a quite yeah. an eventful couple weeks. Um uh, little update to the audience. Uh Uncle and the Young Bucks actually met face to face for the very first time uh, about a week and a half ago at the Buffalo Bills tailgate there at Barley House. Uh it was a pleasure to finally uh, meet Brandon and Drew face to face as we uh, had a little bit of fun at the fucking uh, <laughs> heads tailgate. And we got to celebrate a Buffalo Bills victory, which, quite honestly, actually, that game was really boring uh, right. up until the part we, where we actually won. I know right up until the very end, I was sitting there going, oh, my gosh. I mean, we had a couple <laughs> minutes left in the game. and I'm going, oh, my God, they're going to they're gonna blow this thing, aren't they?
1: Most Browns way to go out would have been.
2: I know, I know Brandon and I left kind of like, well, we won, but not really
0: satisfied with how we won. Um, oh, I was going to say, wait, it almost sounded like you told you were saying you were leaving early and I was going to have to pull your fan card. <laughs> hey. the <hell> you don't <laughs> Always leave there early? No, we were, Always we were there, there all you. game. I don't know about you but guys, it- but leaving that game, it felt
1: like to me when I was watching the Jets game on TV, a game I knew we were supposed to win, regardless of what record dictates at the time of each of those games. I knew we were supposed to win. We won, but I, I did not feel good about it. I did not believe that we necessarily even deserved to win. Not that we didn't deserve to beat the Jets, but I mean, come on, we were playing against a backup, triple backup, or double backup after Simeon went down injured. I mean, we were just playing against chumps, and we still struggled, and the Bills don't have any sort of an offense. It's the most simple offense in the NFL to defend against, and we still let them pick up easy pass plays on third, down, and longs to get first downs, and I just did not leave that game feeling super psyched. But then... We win in the fourth quarter, and then we win a second game in a row against the Pittsburgh
0: Steelers, and I know, I'm that fully was...
1: back on the hype train.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that was absolutely crazy because, uh, you know, going into the Buffalo game and only winning by, uh, you know, when, it, when, when Buffalo went up 22 to when it was 22-16, I thought, oh, my God, that's over. I still cannot believe they overturned that touchdown. Uh, but when they did, I was like, okay, wow, what's going on here? But then they they won. Hey, hey let's walk away. No matter how ugly a win is, it's a win, right? So Absolutely. we walk away from that game. We're 3-6. and six. We're going into Thursday. We're feeling great. The city was pumped up. We're hosting a, a Thursday night game. We go in, and holy crap, we dominated a second team in the AFC North. And we still have four more games to go in the AFC North and we're 2 and 0 so far. I mean, look, honest to goodness, we dominated them top to bottom, left to right. I mean, there's just what can you say but the Browns bullied the Steelers that day in every sense of the way. Every sense of the way.
1: Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the only offensive drive that the Steelers gained any sort of momentum was the 58 yards that we gave them in free penalties. Right. Other than that, they couldn't generate any sort of buzz, uh, didn't really get any of their four fans that were there going. It was mainly, you know, the Browns would have a pretty good momentum drive. Uh, We got OBJ involved early, you know, Nick Chubb, while not averaging a whole lot of yards per carry in the second half, definitely. Definitely you know, stepped up and I think played the, you know, the big running back game that we needed out of him in that second half, getting some of those, you know, 10 plus yard pickups as the game's windling down. Um, I was really impressed with, uh, really impressed with Baker's composure throughout the game. He had a couple situations where, you know, he could have been forced into throwing some really bad passes or making really bad decisions. And I saw him make mature decisions and throw the ball away a few times, you know, and make, make his check down reads to the right guy. And we completed a lot of we completed a lot of third down and more than five yard plays. Yeah. Whether that was, whether that was to hunt, whether that was to, to Landry, whether that was to, to Hodges. I mean, Hollywood Higgins apparently still doesn't play for this team, but we're picking (laughs) up third downs left and right. And, and that was really good to see. Although the offense did, you know, flutter a little bit. And, you know, we, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting there watching that game. We're up 14 to zero, you know, at the time that I'm thinking of. And I'm like, This is like one score away from being really competitive, and it feels like we should be up by four
0: touchdowns at least. It really did. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that Baker, you know, I heard a lot of people after the game say that Baker didn't play well. Well, you know what? Baker did when he needed to, and actually over the past month, Baker's been playing. Absolutely. He's been improving. I won't say he's played great, but he's starting to show that he's getting it, and the game's starting to slow it down again. Um, he went seventeen for thirty two one hundred and ninety three. Uh, his quarterback rating was ninety two point three. a fan <laughs> uh, but no he, he had a he he had a pedestrian game, but he was a game manager. It was good enough for us to win the game. Chubb came in. The Steelers did a great job of shutting down Chubb. I mean let's let's be honest, twenty seven for ninety two averaging three point four, which is well below his season season average, but he got the hard yards. Uh, in the passing game is where it was most, you know, telling what was going on. We were trying to force the ball a couple times into Odell. Uh, he had ten targets, but only four catches, uh, you know, for sixty yards. But again, that doesn't tell the whole story about that game. That game was so physical. Uh, it was. It felt like a real rivalry game. Steelers Browns, knuckle to knuckle, nose to nose, and helmet to helmet. And I guess we got to bring it up now since I said helmet talent. <laughs> you had to go there. I had to go there. Um, and, guys, this uh, the point of the podcast where we're going to start talking about Miles Garrett and the uh, baby Mason Rudolph. Uh, but, anyhow, uh, what did you guys baby think? Really, oh, yeah. really putting that softly. Oh, I'm being very nice. I'm trying to keep it PC today, guys. I have so many different words. Uh, no, he was a bitch, just, baby back bitch. Oh, my we, goodness. We, we, took,
1: we tried saying that you don't want to cuss on this podcast, but desperate times call for desperate <laughs> measures. 23 of 44 for 221 yards, one touchdowns and four interception. That's baby back bitch.
0: Right. So, hey, let, let's right. go over this. Drew, if you remember the end of the game, first of all, what the hell was Mike Tomlin thinking down 14 with less than a minute left throwing the damn ball. In fact, he had less than 30 seconds left. If I remember correctly, when he got the ball back and he's throwing the damn ball, he gets lit up. Mason Rudolph. That is gets lit up for two sacks before leading up to the events that we're about to talk about. But uh, why in God's green world drew, why would Tomlin be passing there?
2: Um, he's not smart. I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Like I agree with that point. Um, just the game's over you're down two scores run the ball get the game over with go home rest up heal up i mean they lost i don't know how many players in that game to injury run the clock
0: out it's take your lumps and be done
2: right and i mean there's no point in that now miles i mean didn't he didn't have to to do what he did but it's still he's still playing football hard
0: and it wasn't that well, bad compared to but, what the Steelers remember, wanted though. to make it seem like but remember though everyone wants to pass guilt off onto Miles and now right. we're, we haven't gotten there yet but let, well, let's start he was the dude winning. swinging the freaking helmet <laughs> all right <laughs> but we, we haven't gotten there yet let's hold off on that discussion let's talk about the stuff that led up there first and no one is blaming are putting any blame on Mike Tomlin. And then Mike Tomlin comes out today and says that he and his team didn't do anything wrong. And that he had nothing to talk about. I don't know if you saw his comments, but that's the biggest pardon. And we'll have to put an explicit rating on this one, but that's the biggest (laughs) piece of bullshit I've heard. Mike Tomlin, you're a freaking liar. Had you not gone out there passing the ball when you were just trying to pad. I don't know what you were trying to do. Pad stats, work something out. You lost the game. You weren't coming down from 14. These aren't the Browns of three years ago. This is a different Browns team. So first of all, Mike Tomlin, you're the the impetus of all this, and you deserve to shoulder so much of the blame for the ugliness that we're almost getting ready to get to. So I don't know if you guys agree with me, but Drew, Brandon, what are your thoughts about that? Does Mike Tomlin deserve some of the blame? He deserves some. I don't think he deserves
1: as many. I think as as much as maybe you're alluding to. What what I will say is I think a lot of the reason why he's passing is because the kind of <clears throat> I'm gonna say big brother mentality that the Steelers have had over the Browns for so many years that it's it you if you're the big brother and your little little brother finally starts growing bigger and he can finally start you know taking your shots and punching back. The big brother freaks out and wants to, you know, make sure that he still feels like he's in control. The Steelers were not in control of this game, and I feel like they're like, no, this is the stinking Browns. We're not going to lose by two touchdowns. I'm going to try to play to the very last whistle to make sure that this line is as close as possible. Not for betting purposes, but for the fact of this is a team we do not respect. This is a team that we've bullied for so long. I'm not going to get bullied by this team. Well, Sorry, Tomlin, you got bullied for four quarters, all up until the last three seconds.
0: Well, yeah. that's you bring up a great point, and and Drew, I'm going to address this to you. So Brandon was talking about, hey, we're going to play this thing out. They had all their starters in there, regardless if they were all pros or third stringers. The Steelers didn't pull anybody off the field. All right, so that brings me to my second point. So we had Miles was out there, Richardson was yep. out there. Yep. We had Ogunjobi was out there. Sjobert was out We had our starters out there, too. Why should the Browns have to lay down if the Steelers weren't laying down? I, I heard this bullshit coming out of Steelers' mouths all weekend about how, you know, oh, they shouldn't have been in the game. It, dude, you had your starters in the game. Right. True. And I think, you
2: know, I think that's the logical point, but – just like the the Steelers shouldn't have had their zone, and there's no point, no need to risk injury. But Freddie shouldn't have had our players in. I don't care who who was on the field for them. Let's be smart about our team. Let's not react to how they're playing. Let's let's play what is gonna make the Browns the better team going into next week. Keep them healthy. I mean, those guys are already banged up, playing a crap ton of snaps to begin with. Keep them. Just take them off the field. Let those other guys walk in there, finish the game, and let's go on with ourselves and get into next week's game. But
0: yeah. I mean, those are all why they're on the points. field. I, I, yes, those are all fair points, and and you can kind of give Freddie Kitchens a little bit of blame. And I've kind of I'm easing off of Freddie right now because hey, look, you know when you win, some of your prob- problems get masked, right? Um, you know, so I'm easing off of my take from last week where I was really hot on Freddie. Uh, Because, hey, he's won two games. I can back off. But Freddie did make a rookie head coach mistake by keeping our elite players on the field. So you can kind of give Freddie Kitchens a little bit of blame. All right, so we've already given blame to Tomlin. We've given blame to uh, Freddie Kitchens. You know, and let's go to the offensive side of the ball at that time, and they happen to be the Steelers and number two, Mr. I don't even want to give him the respect to calling him Mr. That punk ass, Mason Rudolph, frustrated as hell. He'd already thrown four interceptions the entire game. How many times was he sacked? Um, does anyone know? I don't have the stats in front of me. You have four interceptions. The research
1: department will, will take a look into that. Keep going.
0: All right. Oh, I just found it. Four sacks for 43 losses. Well, two of those sacks happened to come on that last drive. If you remember right. what happened, he got sacked Two consecutive times, by the way, that one by Schobert. Schobert played probably his finest game of the yep. entire year. That dude is the most undersung player on our team, other than yep. that, that is not named Nick Chubb. Huh. Who uh, said
1: that a few podcasts ago? I, <laughs> I thought that I was the one who got criticized for saying Schobert was playing well. Funny.
0: I'm going to have to check the tape on that. You will have to check the tape. But so what led up to that? Yeah, Schobert had uh, seven solo tackles a, uh, and a sack and two, two pass defenses, two QB hits in that game. So he he man he played phenomenal. So, but yep. if you think about it in its entirety, Mason Rudolph's already frustrated. He just yep. got sacked. He just got sacked again here on this play. Miles Garrett blast through the line, and, and guys, I know you saw my tweet. It got a lot of attention. It was humble brag. Cleanest football. (laughs) Yeah, completely humble brag. It was the cleanest QB hit by Miles Garrett all season long. It was not illegal. Mm -hmm. He hit the quarterback as the Mm -hmm. ball was being released. His head was off to the side. There was no helmet to helmet. He wrapped him up, he brought him down on top of himself. It was a textbook NFL 2019 tackle. And then Mason Rudolph loses his freaking brain, <laughs> Miles <laughs> held on exactly. to him. I'm gonna get heated a up a lot here. longer than here,
1: here. The devil's advocate. I, you know, obviously I'm I'm a Browns guy. I'm rooting for the freaking Browns. I don't want anything to happen to my boys. And I, you know, I try to tend to take the bias out of things if I can, but it's still there in a little bit. But what I will say is, while Garrett's sack was not illegal, it was not a late hit. Garrett brought him down. It wasn't like a clean, like throw the ball, hit, and then go right down like Rudolph was kind of still standing when he got him at first, he kind of got him lower, not lower, like a cheap lower, but his body came down and then he could have just let go and, you know, kind of let it go. But then he like twist and turned and pulled him down. And then when he did sack him, which is still, still legal, I believe, he didn't really let go of him like a normal sack is. You just kind of like let go of him him and roll off him. He was
0: trying to sack. He'd already been, he had already been reprimanded for the way he had, no, 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 no. It's it's
1: it's after the sack. The sack is now already in the playbook. He didn't do anything. It's, but what you're saying, it the didn't dude held on for way. like an extra three seconds more than you need. No way. No way.
0: It wasn't even oh, three geez. seconds. You got to go back and watch it live. There's no way dude, I was time, there live. It wasn't even a second. It wasn't even a second. He hit him. He wrapped him up. He swung him around and, and pulled him down the way the NFL is trying to tell you to do the to do it these days. So three seconds is a complete exaggeration. Uh, I don't agree with you, Brandon, on that one.
1: Once again, not about how he took him down. It's about the fact that he held on to him when he was down, which is then. He didn't, though. Watch yeah. the tape again. He didn't uh, do it. I've seen it more than I ever care to watch again in my entire life. If I did never see that play again, I'd be a happy guy. But he, point, being, point being, Mason Rudolph definitely initiates the actual dirty play. I'd be I'm nitpicking at a small at a small part of what I could see if I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan saying, well, I could see how that could be perceived as, oh, well, dang, why is he doing that? Not bad. I'm just trying to think of how it could be perceived from the other side. And I can see where they're coming from. Definitely not a late hit. 100 percent, not a late hit. But I can see where Rudolph would be like, right, kind of get the heck off me, dude. Definitely not enough to start ripping at the dude's helmet, which, as we've seen a gazillion times and what ESPN has loved to not show for all of Friday's coverage, which was pretty much just Miles Garrett going to jail over and over again. I'm not sure if anybody was watching news on Friday or ESPN on Friday because there's absolutely nothing to talk about. Miles Garrett was the only thing that made the TV
0: uh, it's Drew. You're being very quiet over there. And I don't know why. I don't know if you agree with Brandon or if you're more on my side, but I, there was nothing egregious about how Miles Garrett brought Mason Mason Rudolph down on that play. And Brandon, you you won't do anything to convince me. He did not do anything that was outside of the normal play of football. And Mason Rudolph just completely lost his gourd. Uh, you know, the whole grabbing at Miles' helmet and trying to rip it off. I mean, what the hell was that? Drew, uh, Drew where do you stand on this?
2: I, you know, honestly, Miles, as a lot of us know, is one of the, the calmest, nicest dudes you're at, you'll ever see. So I honestly— we got the same guy that got um, punched
0: by a fan.
2: Yeah, and didn't do a thing. So I, I really wonder, leading up until that point, um, what was being said— um, to To get him to react that way, besides obviously trying to get your helmet ripped off. Well, we know uh, Rudolph
0: called Ogunjobi a bitch.
2: Yeah, and which was, I mean, Larry shouldn't have done that, but
0: um, that's he stuff, was defending his teammate,
2: right? And that's stuff Pittsburgh's done to us for years. So I, I, I don't, it was wasn't right for them to do it, but I, I'm not gonna, like, hate on them for doing that because that's crap that Pittsburgh's deserved for years, but. As far as the tackle goes, he could have absolutely destroyed him if he wanted to. He wrapped him up. He could have up. Trevor
0: Simeon him. Yeah.
2: He wrapped him up, flipped him over on himself, which, I mean, I don't know what else Pittsburgh fans want him to do, uh, take a pillow out like some people have said and lay it down for him. But um, the fact that he reacted that way, is just like and, – and and for him to throw his hands up after all that stuff and then afterwards – to come out in the press conference and say, you know, watch the tape. We did watch the tape, and you started all of it. And then Mike Tomlin to say that he wasn't sure what they learned because he wasn't sure his
0: team did anything to start the fight. Yeah, like,
2: how delirious are you guys? And then the fan base and, sticks up for it like it's oh, true.
0: And, and the virtue signaling coming from <sighs> the Pittsburgh fan base is absolutely atrocious, you know, considering – all the dirty players and dirty play they've had throughout the years. So look, we're not absolving miles Garrett for what he no, did wrong. Course. Cause, but no, let's not, not pretend that is not the worst thing that has ever been seen on a football field. You could argue that Demarius Randall's hit on Johnson where Johnson's ear was freaking bleeding was 10 times worse than what miles Garrett did, but we won't go there right now. Mm, I would have to, I don't know, maybe 10,000% disagree with that. Well, first of all, let me say this. Miles Garrett threw his helmet down, on, or threw Mason Rudolph's helmet down on Mason Rudolph's head. And the fact that Mason Rudolph was unaffected and then immediately turned around and threw up his hands like, I got you, asshole. What are you going to do, ref- referees? It, to me, right there said, okay, it wasn't as bad as it looked because Mason's obviously fine. Now, I'm not absolving Miles from any guilt, but what I'm saying here is that it's not as bad as social media, which social media is playing a huge part in this, it's not as bad as social media is making it out to be. Was it ugly? Yeah. But damn it, it's football, man. We've (laughs) seen plays that are so much worse. This Look, Turkey Jones was probably worse than what Miles Garrett did, and I know you guys may not agree with me on that, but Turkey Jones may have paralyzed Terry Bradshaw when he did that back in the day. That was 10 times worse than what Miles Garrett did in my eyes. I know exactly what, what player you're talking about, and it's still,
1: he was tackling a guy and went over the top. This was a legitimate, I know for a fact exactly what I am doing when I cock this thing back and swing it directly at your head.
0: And I don't he think he did.
1: was lucky. He he knows what's attached to his hand. I'm not saying he sat there, contemplated it, and said, this is the decision I'd like to make. It was 100% in-the-moment emotion. I get it. But the dude and, and, and grabbed forget, a freaking and, helmet and tried uh, whacking another dude in the head. Well, he well, hit with the crown of the helmet. Mason Rudolph, who's already an idiot and has very low IQ, would pretty he might actually get a bump in <laughs> IQ. But point being, <laughs> that dude's going to be knocked
0: out cold. Well, let's think about this, though. What were Mason Rudolph's? What were his intentions had he gotten Miles Garrett's helmet off? What were his intentions when he kicked Miles Garrett in the junk? What were his intentions when the situation seemed to be de-escalated when he decided to get up and bum rush a restrained Miles Garrett at that point? So don't tell me that Mason Rudolph doesn't have any fault in this. He, he, to Uh, me, has more fault.
1: Said that I they think, said that the dude's swinging his helmets bad. <laughs> I didn't I'm, say that Miles Rudolph, Miles Rudolph, Jesus, that's a terrible combo. I know, didn't right. say that uh, Mason hey. Rudolph is absolved of anything. I'm one of the most frustrated people in the world that he didn't get suspended because he totally deserves his punishment in all of this and not a fine. Not that a fine actually should affect him a lot because there's no way in heck he's ever getting re-signed anywhere. He's going to be like Nathan Peterman, although I guess he's playing for the Raiders. Point being, the NFL decided that Mason Rudolph it's better to punish the Steelers by making him play as the quarterback than it yes. is to have him be suspended. And that, when I heard that, then credit to whoever random Twitter you, Twitter Twitter user that said that first brought a smile to my face. And you know what I said? Don't freaking That's the punish the guy. Out, though.
0: That's the no, biggest it's not an actual
1: reason. I understand, and I'm frustrated. He didn't actually get, you know, actually get find a legitimate a legitimate amount of money or suspended. The point being is that I don't have to worry about it that much cuz it's not that yeah. big of a deal and it's funny as hell that this is their starting quarterback and this is this is what they have to live with. It's it's we don't have to play pity wars anymore. We're not, you know, the absolute butt end of the league anymore. We can talk about, you know, how this team gets better and the good things that happen from this game. We don't need to talk about the dismays of of all yeah. the crap that we deal with in these games, and and that's why I am the guy who said before we started before we started today, and as soon as this happened, that I want to talk about twenty one to seven, not about Miles Garrett and Dumbo Mason Rudolph. They're both yeah, it for what they did. Unfortunately, and it's a time, it's, it's it's a just, moment in time that's so small. It's so it's such not going to affect anything beyond a few games this year. Us being well, the Steelers
0: that's, hasn't but happened that's in not
1: true, half though. a decade.
0: But that's not true, though, because we know it's going to affect and tarnish the entire rest of this season at minimum because the idiot commissioner that we have decides to forego precedent, which the precedent was Antonio Smith when he took off Richie Incognito's helmet and took a swipe of his head. And Antonio Smith only got one game. And you might even say that was even, you know, as bad or worse. And and I think the reason Mm -hmm. that that Smith didn't get – a longer suspension. It was because no one liked Richie Incognito at the time, but there was precedent. It was one game. For Roger Goodell to give Miles Garrett an extremely egregious indefinite suspension for an on field action it is crap. It's not in the CBA. There is precedent. There's rules on the book about using the helmet as a weapon. One of them, you know, when you read it out, there's nothing in there that says anything about suspension. Had Miles gotten a two to four game suspension, you wouldn't have heard a peep out of me. I would have said, you know what, Miles, you screwed up. And, and he did. And I'm, again, I'm not absolving Miles Garrett for what happened. He should have kept a cooler head. He was being restrained by DeCastro. The only free arm he had just happened to have Mason Rudolph's uh, face mask still attached to it. And he swung the only open arm that he had. Big time mistake. <laughs> he deserved his punishment. But had he gotten like a two- to four-game suspension, you wouldn't have heard a peep out of me. But when it was indefinite, and then he's got to get reinstated, and he's out for the whole rest of the season and the postseason, and then you couple that on top of the fact that DeCastro was involved and didn't get anything at all, and then Mason Rudolph, the instigator and the escalator of the entire situation, didn't get shit but a fine? Are you freaking kidding me?
1: Ooh. Cares, eric we are have... four and six on a two game winning streak who cares about this
0: it, Let me... it, it, here's why i care drew go ahead now I'll, I'll i'll cool off a little bit but drew go ahead i just i just have a question for both of you okay so before the
2: suspension came out um what did you guys like suspension wise how long did you think four games
0: i thought four games
2: okay so then the the indefinite comes out um, he's going to go appeal tomorrow. Um, he'll most likely win that appeal, but they'll give him a, a definite amount of games. How many are you expecting?
1: I'm expecting him to be out the rest of the season, but have a chance to come back for postseason if by some awesome way we get
0: there. I don't know what to expect based on Roger Goodell's uh, comments on Friday. And then I think he said something else today. I think, Roger Goodell. Uh, I'm on record. He's he's an idiot. He's done a lot of more harm to the game and the NFL than he's done good. And uh, I, I honestly think he overstepped here. Um, I think you're going to see uh, him dig in. You saw Vontaze Burfick's, uh comments about his suspension. I don't know if you saw those. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's a moron.
0: Calling Roger Goodell said, idiot perfect. but with other words. yeah yeah but Burfecht is a completely different kind of player Burfecht has a track record of being a dirty player and I know everyone wants to paint Miles Garrett as a dirty player and I would tell them that they haven't seen Miles Garrett play they don't know him and he's not that player uh Drew I'm I'll be honest with you I don't know what to expect from Roger Goodell he's kind of a wild card here he could come in and I don't think he's gonna buckle because one thing we know about Goodell is even though he's an idiot, he he he's pretty steadfast when he hands down these punishments. But the problem is they're not consistent. And how right. how is it that a first-time offender and Miles Garrett gets an indefinite suspension and has to get reinstated? But you have a moron like Josh Gordon who had repeated drug offenses and repeated third and fourth and fifth chances, or you get somebody that has domestic violence, uh, you know, charges against him and gets back in the league or even in the Browns, you got cream hunt. Now that wasn't domestic violence. That was an assault, but he got an eight game suspension. Right. Uh, Where is the line and where do these things weigh out? There has never been a suspension like this for an on field transgression or an on field incident. And there, again, there was precedent prior to this under Roger Goodell's watch, and it was just six years ago. So I, I don't know, Drew. To answer your question, I don't know what to expect.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the NFL is going to definitely try to come down hard. I think what Miles' goal should be is to to get it dwindled down to just cover this year to where he can be on the field to start next season Um I don't see how they're going to let him play it all the rest of this year or the playoffs if we make it. Um, the fact that they have to say or the playoffs is uh, somewhat encouraging because uh, it means the Browns actually have a chance. Um, but it, it's it's going to be really tough. Um, I do think he'll win that as far as the indefinite part of it with that not being allowed in the CBA. But as far as his length, I – I really have no clue what to think. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, well, it, it,
0: let's let's not
2: let's not discount the fact that it 1000 percent
1: didn't help that there was no other games going on. This was a primetime game in which right. everybody in the world is watching. There's and that exaggerated every, NFL fan that exaggerated in the world, everything. every Twitter person yep. in the world who follows football is all over it. If this was a one o'clock slated game. With a whole host of other games going on around the NFL, this would have been a big deal. It wouldn't have been this, you know.
0: Yeah, you are right. You are right, Brandon. There's no argument from me on that point. You are absolutely right. It it was prime time. It was the only game on. It was the Browns and Steelers the optics weren't great, uh, obviously for us and for the Steelers too. And again, I, the Steelers are, you know, they're a partner in this, you know, so I don't want to hear them, uh, walk away and continue their virtue signaling and, and, you know, walk away like they're these saints. Cause they're not, uh, it, it's, it, the whole thing is just so aggravating. Um, and then the way that the punishments were handed down and I don't want to go all controversial here, but for Roger Goodell, he's got a problem on his hands because the, the optics of the punishments that were handed down are not great. Um, and, again, I don't want to spark any controversy, but so Miles Garrett, obviously he, he swung a helmet with a wep- you know, as a weapon, and he can't do that, so he should have been punished the most severely. He was defending himself. Uh, he just happened to be a black NFL player. And then you get uh, Pouncey. He was defending his teammate. But obviously you can't kick and punch a player. And well, I hate to say this guy's, but he's black. Then you get Larry Ogan joby defending his teammate. Well, he's black and he got a game suspension. The two white players that were in this melee, the idiot Mason Rudolph and then David DeCastro, that he was obviously trying to de-escalate everything, but was involved because uh, he did take Miles Garrett to the ground. Um, neither one of those are suspended. So Roger Goodell has got some issues on his hands because again, I think no one has brought race into this and I don't want to say there's a race component, but it just doesn't optically look very good. Uh, and I think had they given Mason Rudolph any kind of suspension, I don't think it would have been nearly as bad. And I don't think there would have been the outrage there has been from Cleveland Browns fans and also from NFL pundits across the country. Cause there's this growing support for miles Garrett that, we went from hating him on Thursday to all of a sudden Friday morning, everyone's like, "Hey, what Miles did was defend himself." Yeah, you, uh, you got an opinion on that or not? Uh, I, I don't think, I don't
1: think there's a race issue. Obviously, the optics of it could look bad. I think Castro is definitely trying to de-escalate the situation, and regardless of you know maybe his efforts to do so, I don't think was egregious enough to deserve a, a, a game. Suspension, you know, maybe a fine. I don't think anything more. I definitely think Miles' suspension, you know, Miles obviously deserved a big suspension. I definitely think that, um, you know, and and is it Marquise Pouncey uh, having a brain fart there, um, that he deserved his three-game suspension, I mean, kicking and punching, which, by the way, isn't it hilarious how players are dumb enough to punch at face masks? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) well,
0: most of those times people have those gloves on, you know, so...
1: But like, even if you got gloves, go for like the slap when you really can whip their neck and just I mean, but why punch? You're just gonna break your knuckles and they're not gonna hardly move at all. I just don't get it. But I, I see why he got his three-game suspension, although, and here's where I try to play devil's advocate. And I know for a fact that most of Cleveland fans would probably agree with me. If that is Baker Mayfield who just – let's say James Harrison's out there. James Harrison rips off Baker Mayfield's helmet and whacks him upside the head. If I am a Cleveland Browns fan, I want every one of my linemen to run a freaking train on that dude, freaking tackle him. I mean – Hey, just hey, absolutely. now, this, this is a family-oriented <laughs> show. I, I mean, run a train in, in a different sense, obviously. <laughs> so you're taking that a little – out of context, po- point being, <laughs> if you hit my quarterback, I want ow, to goes, absolutely ow, ow. destroy you. That's my quarterback. And regardless, I know he's not their quarterback and half of Steeler Nation probably doesn't even like him. And especially after you know that game, four interceptions, 19 incompletions, not exactly or sorry, 21 incompletions, uh, barely above 50 percent and one touchdown for 221 yards. Not exactly great optics for him. And the season that he's having, I, I don't think it's written a race issue. And, uh, you know, I, I totally see where Pouncey was coming from. I would, I yeah, would go, I would I go ed- shit
0: on, on that guy if he was yeah. going after Baker. I'm not trying to incite anything. I just what I was saying in response to you, Drew, was just kind of like, you know, again, we don't know where Roger Goodell's head is. And right. obviously he doesn't know Miles Garrett, uh, you know, because to treat him like Vontez Perfect is kind of absurd. Uh, and, and again, I, it's just the Brandon, to your point, I, I, personally, I don't think there's a race component either. It's just, it doesn't look good. That's all. And especially with the way the NFL, um, has come under fire, uh, you know, with the likes of Colin Kaepernick and, and all the stuff that's gone down here over the past couple years with that dude uh, does not want to play football, by the way, he doesn't want to, but let's not go there. Um, but Hey, that said guys, hey, look, we've beaten this, this, um, uh, this Miles Garrett thing worse than Miles Garrett beat Mason Rudolph. Um, I look, Miles is a great person, a great human, and I am on record as supporting the man the, and the player. Uh, he's going to overcome this. Unfortunately, yes, it will follow him for the rest of his career. But other great players have had things of this nature happen and have still gone on to be Hall of Famer. Huh. Uh, you mean like Randy, you mean like Randy White? Rice? You mean like Ray Lewis? You mean like all these people that
1: just straight up murder people, but are
0: absolutely well, loved by I the was NFL? Thinking, I mean, look, I was thinking of like Randy White, because that was another instance of uh, taking a helmet off and pummeling him with his helmet. Uh, Rowanowski, uh, he beat the crap out of a player with his own helmet uh, in practice. And the guy, you know, I can't remember his name. Uh, Maybe we can look that up. But Romanowski did it in a practice, and the guy was unrecognizable after he got done. He had roid rage. Uh, But he went on, and and everyone forgets that, you know, Romo did that. Uh, Ray Lewis was
1: literally the poster child for defense in the NFL for, like, a decade, and the dude was
0: out murdering people in his spare time. Well, allegedly. We have to say (laughs) Because we don't want to get uh, – I don't want to be Clinton suicided here. so. (laughs) <laughs> but here, guys, what I'm saying here is I, I think Miles will overcome this. The Browns, however, will the Browns overcome this? Man, that's gonna be tough to call. I mean, we are double digit right. uh, favorites this weekend going to Miami. We're gonna we're gonna leave the Miles Garrett talk alone. Look, we're, let's try to enjoy the 21-7 whooping that we just put on the Steelers, and let's right. try to enjoy it now. We've talked about it. Let's let's enjoy 21-7. We're four and six, like Brandon was saying. Let's move this conversation on. We got the Dolphins coming up, and then we got to face the Steelers again. How do we move forward this weekend? Missing Burnett in the in the, in the defensive backfield. Uh, we're missing, obviously, we're missing Miles. Uh, you can't fill those shoes. So, what do you expect to see from the defense now that Miles is out?
2: Drew, take it away. Uh, um, if you would have asked me that at the beginning of the year, um, I would have been real suspect as to how we could fill that role. Um hopefully uh Vernon's back this week. Um that, that will be a, a big boost for the Browns defense. Um and a kind of a bright spot so far. Um Chad Thomas has played okay for um the the season he had last year, hardly playing at all. Too busy um, making music man. Yeah. Uh so so he's gonna have to step up um Lawrence is going to have to step up for Argan this week, um, which he's he's played pretty well th- so far this year. Um, and then on the opposite side, um, we're going to have to see a lot of, you know, Chris Smith. Um, and I think we'll see some – I think we'll see a lot more um, kind of exotic blitzes from the Browns defense to kind of make up for that. Uh, Miles Garrett was a wrecking ball this year. As far as um, our safety, um, Burnett is out. Uh, Murray is out. So um, Burris, who has played at times this year and who's played really well, I know Brendan um, uh, uh, Brendan Leister likes him a lot and has been calling for him to play a lot more. So he's excited to finally get to see him play, um, which he kind of gets thrown into that role, but he feels like he's ready to go. Um, the defense will be a little bit different. So it'll be interesting to see. Taki Taki got to play uh, quite a few snaps in the past couple games. So that's been uh, good to see from him. So I think he's we're made finally. a good
1: difference on special teams as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, he he kind of got his, his start in special teams and has worked his way onto the field. Uh, it, it's really hard for him to do that, though, because uh, Joe Shover is such a big part of that defense at the linebacker spot, which um, I've said this for like uh, probably eight or nine months now, they need to resign him and they need to resign him Mm now. Um, Don't let him get out to the market because I do not think uh, the Browns will like what kind of offers he will end up getting.
1: I hear they're in talks Um, with that right now. So hopefully something can get done here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah. Um then again we if, if
1: we would have been holding our breath for Hollywood Higgins to get an extension, for Demarius Randall to get an extension, for Joe Schober right. to get an extension, we would have died three times over.
2: Right. I think I think of those three, I think Schober is the most likely of those three. I don't I think I don't think um, the other
1: two will come back personally.
2: Yeah. I don't think Randall is we're gonna be able to afford him. Um he's looking I, I know he's looking for like ten to twelve million a year, nope. which I think we can draft someone and uh, fill that spot.
0: Maybe not as well, but, um, well, and he's I, got a couple of years behind him too. So, I mean, right. he, I mean his extension, I, I can't see giving him more than a three year contract anyhow. Um, right. but so you feel okay going into the rest of the year, the way that we're constructed now, um, you know, missing our key piece on defense, huh? I
2: think, I think the Baltimore game is going to be tough. Um, I think that I don't think the Pittsburgh game is going to be tough. I think it, it might get interesting. I think, I mean, as, as long as our offense can maybe play with a little more consistency to finish the year, I think our defense can do enough for us to win a bunch of games. Um, miles was such a big part of that, but I th- we got pieces that I think can step up and can be effective, uh, with that defense, um, We'll have to see. Hopefully, hopefully our secondary um, can kind of step up and and help out some of those pass rushers. Um, and and then the flip flop, you know, pass rush help out our secondary. Um, I think one of the well, I guess there's two points here. Um, flip into the offensive side of the ball. Baker's played a lot better the past three or four weeks. I think they said his QBR was somewhere like 15th the past three or four games, which is Still average, but compared to where he was playing that Steelers much defense
1: is no joke either. Right. They were Harold as a top five defense over, and, you know, the last probably five, six weeks.
2: And we played what uh Pittsburgh, we played the the Bills and another the, really the, good
1: defense, underrated defense.
2: The Broncos were ranked fairly high too defensively. Um so he's had, you know, three or four games where he's he's played okay. Um And we still need to see improvement. I think what I've liked the most the past two weeks is how they've used Kareem Hunt um, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily getting him the ball all the time, but how he has very selflessly did what the Browns have needed him to do. Um, You've seen a lot of two-back field sets, and he's done a lot of... Blocking for Nick Chubb, which you don't you don't see that all the time with someone of his caliber skill set to to jump in and do something like the dirty work. And I think the Browns have a lot of players like that. Landry and Odell love to block downfield. Um, they've done that since their LSU days. They still do it now. Um, and even though you know Odell may not put up have the stats that we're used to him seeing Um, he's still affecting the game. Landry has been much more effective this year. And a lot of that, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with Odell Um, and maybe just feeling a little bit more comfortable with Baker as well. Um, But I think if the, you know, this might be a little jump into next year. If the Browns can fix that offensive line um, and there's, they're, Three key spots, um, which the, the, those are pretty big spots to fill. But if they can do that, I think the offense takes a step going into next year, um, you know, and that's, that's uh, kind of waiting to see if Baker kind of takes that momentum into the, the last, you know, four games, four or five games this year and takes that into next year. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see. I'll, Can't wait to see Njoku finally get back out on the field, Uh, considering that um, our our tight ends are kind of one-dimensional, a lot of them. Not if Um, your name's
1: Steven Carlson.
0: Yeah, that was a heck of a a catch. catch. I I think Baker overthrew that ball, to be honest (laughs) with you. I think Carlson just happened to be lucky to be there. Um, So, yeah, we're opening up as 10.5-point favorites uh, with, with Miami. So do we cover? I'd
1: say, uh yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty confident in covering. I think if you watched uh Josh Allen, who we all know here is not that great of a quarterback. We just saw him come to Cleveland and put together, you know, maybe a few dink and dunk drives, but mainly, you know, Damn. their biggest pass play came on the 44-yard pass interference play that we gave him on the first possession they had. Outside of that, you know John Brown had a few 15 20 yarders but it was never anything consistent and he looked like a hall of famer against that you know Miami defense and while their coach i think has them in the right mindset you know a pretty darn good mindset for a team that's completely tanking um I, and i think that you know he has a good potential to to bring them out of that in a few years i definitely think that the browns could see some serious serious points this week <laughs> i'm not sure how many of you guys are big into fans yeah. but i would feel very comfortable starting kareem hunt Odell beckham jr jarvis landry nick Chubb. i actually
0: i actually have baker as one of my quarterbacks and i'm starting him over dak prescott this week because dak's playing well dak's playing against the number one pass defense in new england so uh, with baker playing against miami i think this is that kind of game that Uh, We could see Baker work out some kinks and maybe find that groove with Odell because I think what we've seen over the past couple weeks is he's been targeting Odell so much. We talked about that last week, and they just haven't found that groove yet. So this game, to me, has that written on it where they can work out the kinks. And I don't want to say like a practice game, but it almost is in a really weird sense. But I think this is where Baker can find that groove and maybe – catapult us through the rest of the season and that offense look we're gonna need to score you know 30 points from here on out without with some of our key pieces missing on defense not knowing when we're gonna get miles garrett back if at all this year so um it will be interesting to see uh i do think we're gonna go five and six after this weekend um i do think it will be a uh, double digit win I do think they'll cover. I, I don't know if they'll get the over uh, because I, I don't see Miami scoring against us. Uh, What's the so over at currently? Over. Uh, I don't know. what uh, I know it's a 10.5 point favorite. Uh, the over under is, let's see here. We'll, we'll let you know right now. After these messages. Doo, 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 doo. No, I got, guys, I can't
1: find it. Oh, I'm uh, seeing but, m- spread is 10.5 and the over under is 44.5. I, yeah, I wouldn't go also the, agree. Yeah, I don't think the I Miami's offense the is going to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I would stick with the under on it. And then then we go into and, and guys, let's just talk about it now. Then we go into that, you know, that second matchup right away with Pittsburgh and just announced today they moved that game time. Uh, it was the national game at the four four o'clock slot. They moved it to one o'clock. Interesting decision. Very interesting decision. You can see maybe why, uh, specifically with the reasons uh, that the fan base is, uh, you know, one, it's in, in Pittsburgh, and two, it's got potential if you've got a lot of liquored up fans playing a four o'clock game, it's got potential to be very ugly. And I think that's great
1: for TV ratings. That's what I, that's the part I don't understand is that, well, this seems like a very sexy game for people to watch who even aren't necessarily Browns or Steelers fans. Like if, if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan and there's nothing going on at four o'clock, but I love football, how am I not watching that game? That's a heck of a lot of fun based upon what I've been watching in the news.
0: Yeah. But you think about it from a, from a, from the standpoint of the league, it makes a lot of sense. In case something were to happen, people are going to go seek that game out to begin with. There's no need for it to be nationally televised because what if something stupid happens on the field again? I will tell you, every all the events from last Thursday have done one thing. It has reignited the best professional football rival- rivalry, bar none, because I will tell you, I saw more smack talk And I don't know if it came from the fear that Pittsburgh has knowing that Ben Roethlisberger's on the downside and we're an up-and-coming. And and we might be flipping the script again, and they might be experiencing their 1980s, which, God, that would be great, just to beat up on them for a while. (laughs) But, man, that game is going to be so much damn fun. I cannot wait for it. We're a little early talking about it, but, man, it's exciting to think about because that's going to be just an ugly, knock them out drag them out game. And the only fear I have for that game is, dear God, please protect Baker. By the way, us talking about two games in advance means
1: instantly that we're going to lose to the Miami Dolphins because why the hell not? So let's mark <laughs> that down your as mouth. Now. <laughs> I mean, shut seriously. Your mouth. How many times in, in football, whether it's college or professional, when you're already doing that W, which, by the way, how many of us have done automatic Ws when we were putting together our scheduled game early on this year, look back it's at that and have to absolutely game. laugh. I look like a freaking <laughs> idiot.
2: Yeah, me too, me too. We'll just, we're just uh, embrace it.
0: I think a lot well, of people hey guys, look guys, like idiots. a lot of Browns talk, um, and we, we definitely beat that to death. I don't know if you just saw, uh, we have a knack for doing this, but uh, the college football rankings just came out. Breaking and, uh, news. Nothing news. news. <laughs> Say this last th- week. The Ohio State Buckeyes remain number two. I'm fine with that. I'm nope. fine with it, too. Yep. You it's see, it, it it's, uh, it's LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, Georgia four, Alabama five. Undeserving. Well, here's the thing: Georgia has more top fifteen wins than any other team in the country right now, so you can see why they're Who's there.
1: Top fifteen wins against—they're all over- seems like overrated teams or SEC From teams SEC, that are overrated yes, because are. there's an incredible SEC bias. Notre Dame is actually hot garbage, and yeah. They lost to an unranked South Carolina team who, believe me, if ESPN could have rated them in their top 25 and gotten away with it, they would have. But
0: they were <laughs> no, below 500,
1: and that's a bad look.
0: Right now, if you think about it, though, Georgia did win the SEC East. They are going to play in the SEC Championship already. What they've basically done here, guys, from for all intents and purposes, if you look at it, I mean— LSU, Ohio State, Clemson are pretty much guaranteed a spot in the playoff at this point with two games left to, left to play. Even if they lose, uh, like say the Buckeyes lose this week to Penn State or the following week to Michigan, uh, they still have a chance. They probably still will stay in the playoff. And I know that sounds absurd, but I think it'll happen. Uh, but with Georgia being four and Alabama five, what they've basically done is set it up that two SEC teams are going to be in the playoff. And again, this all goes back to the talk we've talked about before with you know, the SEC bias and all the money that ESPN and CBS puts into the SEC. But basically, this is going to be, okay, Georgia's going to go play in the SEC championship. If they win, they're in the playoff. So LSU would drop down to three or four. They'll still be in the playoff. But if Georgia loses to LSU, guess what happens? Alabama then leapfrogs Georgia and you still have two SEC teams in the playoff I, I don't truly Oregon. believe if that
1: scenario plays out that Oregon would make it in not because you know really I, well first I, I, so I do and, and the reason why and I think a lot of this has to do with Tua going down if that exact scenario plays out where Georgia you know wins out the rest of their games Alabama wins out the rest of their games and Georgia plays LSU puts up a valiant effort and loses and now you've got one other one loss SEC team being Alabama. I think that they sit down and look at it and say, well, we've kind of screwed all of these conference champions over the last how many years? Big Ten's been left out three years in a row. The Big Ten champion has been left out three years in a row. When the heck was the last time the Pac twelve put anybody that was worth it in. I mean, it's been it's been a while, it seems like, and if and if
0: they do, it's never anything that Yeah, but Oregon really doesn't play anybody here on out. The team to look out for is actually kind of Oklahoma. They actually finished with a ranked team. They're playing Oklahoma State, uh, you know, and they're ranked currently 22. So they're the only team of the 6, 7, 8 that really play anybody, you know, to end the season.
1: Fair enough. But the fact that they've already got them lower than Penn State, lower than Utah, makes me think that they're going to have to go through one hell of a jump. And the problem is, their conference championship game is not going to be that, you know, that good yeah. of an opponent and Oklahoma state, I don't think is considered that, you know, that great of an opponent. It's one of those, when you look at the end of the season, and you're checking out the, the resumes and you're like, Oh, top 25 win. That's cool. Too bad. It was like number 24, Oklahoma state, <laughs> who's completely irrelevant every single year. Well, our
0: Cincinnati wins looking a lot better now, isn't it? And everyone yeah, wanted, thank you. wanted thank to you rip very much, us. Bearcats. <laughs> yeah. Drew, you are a resident Buckeye expert. Uh how do you see this playing out?
2: Um I think we handle our business Saturday. I think um the 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 scum game um next week will probably be better than we think. Way um, better than we think. Um I think um, I it, it's just that's the way robbery games go. I still think we win um handedly once once all said and done and um, we're getting chase young back so absolutely and um he's gonna wreck penn state's world and he's gonna wreck the team up north world um and i think we i think he carries us um into the playoffs and eventually to a national title um on the back of him and jk dobbins and that big Ohio State offensive line and defensive line. Uh, I think when all said and done the Buckeyes take down their old quarterback and, and uh, hoist hoist that trophy. That'd be a uh, dream, dream
1: national championship game. Yeah, it really would be a dream that. I really hope to God that that's the game they're actually trying to have happen because we know that shit can get kind of
0: uh I don't want to say
1: fixed but like they can have right. the stars aligned to have that kind of happen well, they, with lsu there's such Ohio a great storyline in the first i mean there's such a great
0: storyline there. there i mean living down here in atlanta guys i hear all the time oh you guys wouldn't be where you're at if you didn't have justin fields yada 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 you stole him from georgia and i'm like guys look at lsu they took our, you. they took a buckeye graduate to get where they're at i mean they, they, so the whole talk about you know quarterbacks being transferred and yada, yada bull crap. Look, both teams are great. I think they are destined to play each other. Uh, I LSU is one of those SEC teams that I actually don't mind at all because they're how they're not hate- obnoxious. Oh, man. It, well, you can't hate Joe Burrow. He's oh, an gosh. Ohio kid. He's a, he is always going to be a Buckeye, even though he will be remembered uh, for what he's doing this year at LSU. But, I mean, how can you hate Ed Orgeron? I mean, the guy sounds like the the, <laughs> the character dude from uh, – from, uh, Waterboy, uh you know who I'm talking
1: about. The guy he- Yeah, He's I know gonna- who you're talking about. The speech to text on him is some of the funniest things I've ever seen in my it's, life.
0: It's just like a bunch of oohs and ahs and <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a great weekend, guys. We we have had uh it's been a fun week talking football. Uh totally like you it. know, we are edging in here on over an hour, and, and even though I love to argue with you more, Brandon, today about whether <laughs> Miles Garrett
2: uh, did something.
0: Uh, they did win, so let's be happy about it. And I am ecstatic. Uh but guys, it was it was awesome. Uh first of all, I want to say it was awesome meeting you guys at the tailgate. Uh, yeah, that absolutely. was absolutely really weird guy, you know, for anyone that's listening. Uh you know, Uncle and the Young Bucks, we had never met face to face. So this it was a great time at the Buffalo Bills game. Eric, I'm uh, I blushing. hope you are blushing. <laughs> <I'm> blushing. I <laughs> I highly doubt that after seeing you. The only reason you'd be blushing is because having too many shots. Whoa. Uh, But no, Hey guys, it was, it's been a great week. Uh, Go Browns. Let's kick some dolphins butts and uh, let's turn this around and let's, Wait and see what happens. I can't wait to record next week when we go in five and six to Pittsburgh. It's going to be fantastic.
1: Five and six um, against Pittsburgh and three straight weeks of Buckeyes and Browns winning consecutive oh, times. When can cannot win.
0: Any parting words, Drew?
2: Go Buckeyes, go Browns. Uh Blyle, is your uh, high school team still playing this week? Nah, fam. They totally uh, toast. They lost
0: to Sandusky last week
1: they got
2: toasted i'm pretty sure
0: oh that sucks that's a bummer well hey guys that's it from uncle and the young bucks we will talk to you again next week this is eric signing off this is
1: brandon who didn't get parting words signing off
2: (laughs) this is drew see you guys later
1: later boys